0: So, Kieran Long, director of ArcDesk, Sweden's National Center for Architecture and Design, you have for years already been working with the idea of institutions, and specifically institutions as public places, which very much to me resonates with Baymür as well, and especially the future of Baymür. How do you um, think of institutions as public places?
1: I think there are a couple of interesting things that I've come to realize about institutions while I've been working in them. You know, you work in these places, they're often extraordinary, very unusual buildings in the city, and they're full, but what they're full of is commitment, full of loads and loads of different kinds of people, groups of people who feel committed to some kind of idea that is both their own and the institutions. And what I love about working in institutions actually is that a good institution can accommodate people who think very differently about that place, about what it's for, about its founding founding moment, about, you know, who it should be serving. You know, there there can be very wildly varying ideas amongst all the people committed to an institution. But a great place allows them all to coexist and somehow allows these people to talk to one another. And that feels to me to be so powerful in an era of a polarizing public conversation, a place where it seems like we sometimes have more and more trouble meeting each other on a level playing field. Institutions, good ones, can really achieve that.
0: Well, you have indeed, through various exhibitions and gestures of, of um, playing out that institution in, in the places and spaces that are available to it, you have... Um brought that idea of, indeed, the personal commitment. Um, Joseph Grimmer, the curator here at Baymier, also very much said that Baymier itself is a place where people have a strong sense of personal commitment to it or kind of a sense of of inspiration and belonging, even if they haven't visited this this particular place. Um, Somehow, um, especially working at places like the Victorian Albert Museum in London, where there's that enormous history, a collective understanding of of all these layers and stuff that belong to us and and you have indeed really made that visible those material commitments that the stuff that belongs to us or indeed our right to um, exercise the practice of design and architecture in in the different communities
1: yeah i think the notion of care that joseph speaks about around paimio that really resonates a lot with me and what what is care other than a kind of you know, extremely careful commitment to an idea, to a place, to a thing, or to a person. You know, of course, walking around Paimio, you, you can't avoid thinking of the history of medical care, of the commitment of the nurses and doctors and staff and orderlies and cleaners and everybody else who once kept this place as a kind of extraordinary medical instrument functioning working you know the researchers and thinkers who must have, who thought about you know the medical basis for the architecture and so on all that those structures of care are as valuable as the bricks and mortar and and the institution embodies them like a great museum like the vna you know also embodies a, a series of ideas about what culture might be what a collection should be what the what a public is and of course, we, we move on, just like as tuberculosis is not cured in the same way today as it was in 1930. Our ideas about what a museum is for have moved on since 1853 when the museum was founded, when the VA was founded. But in that, in that movement, we don't exactly lose the starting point. We, we keep it safe. We honour it. We update it. And, and those histories end up living in parallel in a good institution. They don't, they're not replaced. They're not made obsolete and I think that's what's so important about an institution that you can read all of those histories you know that that of course the V&A will always be bound up with British colonialism but it's also a place of extraordinary practice today of contemporary Artists, designers, architects, fashion designers, you know, making new work that is, of course, not the same thing. And, you know, it's not bound up by those things. That's trying to decolonize and, and think anew about, about cultural practice. That's what I love about great institutions, that both those things can be true at the same time. And that makes them a place, an approachable place. Maybe for Paimio, you know, the, the medical history and its status as an architectural object, an icon can be allowed to kind of play off each other and exist in parallel in a way that can enrich this place, not not confuse people, but, but attract people.
0: And of course, there's that political layer, as you say, that somewhere like By Me, of course, is a is a real manifestation, especially, especially of that kind of Nordic aspect, which you have now been following um, in, in Sweden, of course, of that Nordic idea of, of welfare and how that idea of welfare and um, collective care has come into this site and this building and through the various practices of it. Um, you you mentioned about that political project in, in different institutions as well, that how they might co coexist and how in, in places like where you are working now in Sweden that those different ideas can be made visible and brought together and and as you were saying, coexist in some way like a museum.
1: At Arctis, we're really aware of of the responsibility of an institution in the context of a polarizing society and, and a society that seems to have less and less coherence and we agree with one another less and less. You know, can institutions be a territory where those two sides of a polarized situation can approach one another, learn from one another, care about each other even if they don't agree with one another, Um, that feels to me to be a cardinal responsibility to to, to try to find that. And I think there's more hope in a cultural institution for that than than most than in a city hall or in a you know in, in culture we make a space for freedom of imagination and imagination imagining new futures and I think that that everybody has that kind of imagination you you know you might not agree with the politics of of your fellow citizen, but I think you know a city a place a place like this one is a place to which we can all be committed um, and you know that, that feels to me to be only a positive force, potentially.
0: And what about architecture then itself, bringing it back to architecture? By me, sanatorium really sort of comes across as a manifesto itself. It's a synthesis of architecture. There's, of course, the nature uh, very much um, visible and enveloping, in a way, the building itself and the experience of it, and then of course, in this case, all the medical research that went into this place. So, um, how would you think about those kind of radical architectural manifestos of our time, do, do they exist? What could they be?
1: It's a good question. Like, is a, a building like Paimia even possible today? <laughs> I mean, is that position possible? I think you know what we see in Paimia, what we see in much of the architecture of, of mod- modernism in the Nordic countries is, is a unique moment of political, social and architectural spatial urban practice that all more or less shared a set of values i don't think you can want you can't imagine that that is coming back but but what we can learn from this i i think is is really important what we mustn't allow somewhere like paimeo to be is some sort of you know, badge of a lost past that we must find our way back to, if only architecture could once again encompass, you know, uh, and and embody archite- uh, politics in the way that Paimio did. No, those days are gone. But but the practice of architecture, which is a kind of ethical practice, an ethical negotiation of, of a brief and a client and its expression in art, you know, that practice is still available to us. And And Alto is somebody who who embodies that practice better than anybody, the results will not look like this. They will look very, very different. They will be adapted to uh, material circumstances, the need to reuse and inhabit buildings that already exist like this one. They'll be, they'll be related to new kinds of ethical horizons that include new publics. But the practice of architecture can still adapt to those. So things. the
0: ethical practice of architecture and how that then again comes from the context where it is produced in a, in a given time, by mio in a way is a platform for manifesting and cherishing that idea.
1: It is, but not in a not in a way that that mean that solidifies or calcifies what we think architecture's ethical dimension is just because our, our architecture is not social democratic anymore or is not not related to, you know, a political order that perhaps is from 100 years ago now, you know, that doesn't mean it's not an ethical practice. It, you know, inviting in A wide variety of people in a polarized society to coexist and understand one another better might be the ethical practice of our day, whereas perhaps the ethical practice of of Alta's day or much of his career was about embodying a political project of egalitarianism and empowerment for women and empowerment for society, Uh, you know. That's a, that was a wonderful time, but, but the, the priorities of our societies have changed. Therefore, our architecture needs to change, but the practice of it, you know, the, the commitment to um, the cultural expression, the artistic expression of those, of those societal values that Alto embodies is, will always be relevant.
0: Thank you very much. Kieran Long, Director of ArcDesk, Sweden's National Center for Architecture and Design.